Welcome to The Hammer Factor. I'm John Grace, your host here at the hot seat, and now it's time to light this fire. Welcome to this episode of The Hammer Factor, where we help successful athletes and professionals share their genius with the world. And on this show, we have a probably the most diverse time zones we've ever had on the show. Um, coming at us from California, we have legendary ultra runner and event, and event director Louis Escobar and the director general of Bhutan's tourism, Dorji Dodrell on the show and I'm sure I butchered your last name Georgie I'm sorry um, very good yeah. <laughs> but welcome to the show guys thank you hey thanks for having us very yep. excited to talk with you thank yeah you. yeah so the reason I brought you on is it came across uh, I was talking to Avery Collins the other day and he mentioned the snowman race and after we got done recording I did a little Google searching and it really perked my interest I saw Lewis that you were Involved. I followed some of your exploits in the past, and I remember several interviews with you and uh, pictures that came out of uh, the time that you were trying working with uh, Scott to set the AT speed record. I believe you were. Yeah, I'm 99% yeah. sure you were on that trip. I'm 100% sure I was there. <laughs> we went right through your neighborhood, I believe. Yes, yes, you did. Yeah, that was in that was 2015. So Scott Jurek, uh, his attempt to uh, break the speed record on the Appalachian Trail. So Georgia to Maine, uh, Springer Mountain to uh, Katahdin in um, Baxter State Park up in Maine. And so, yeah, I think we went right through there. You're in Asheville, North Carolina, right? Yep, yep. You were right and, out the backyard. Yeah, the AT runs right through there. Um, all right, Lewis, let's start off. Tell us something most people don't know about you. About me personally? About you personally. Oh, uh, well, uh, first of all, probably people don't even know who I am. So there's that. There's that issue. <laughs> I know you. <laughs> uh, if you don't know who I am, yeah, my name's Lewis Escobar. I live in California. Uh, my home is on the California Central Coast, uh, Santa Barbara, San Luis Obispo counties. However, I recently moved. My wife and I, three years ago, purchased a home up in Northern California. So now we live uh, outside of Auburn, right on the Western States 100-mile endurance run race course. It's literally right out my my back window here. I live in the town of Cool, California. And we came here specifically to be closer to our children and our grandson, who lives uh, not too far from here. And uh, we picked a home here in Cool specifically because of the the amount of trails that are around us and all of the trail running and racing that happens in this area. So that's something people wouldn't know about me that I sort of live in this little hidden mountain community of cool. California is the name of the town. Beautiful little, uh, right on the banks of the American river there. I know that area. You got it. I'm, I'm literally looking out into the, uh, American river Canyon, uh, the middle fork of the American, the confluence is right below my house, so right where the North Fork and the Middle Fork of the American Rivers meet, right at a place called No Hands Bridge. What is the snowman race? That's a great question. The snowman race is a lot of things. It's different things to different people. To me, uh, I've been asked to direct the event, the snowman race. And so I'm looking at this event through the eyes of a distance runner and a race director. director, And so what it is, 
It's a 300-kilometer foot race through the heart of the Bhutanese Himalayan range. And I, I know that Dorji's on this conversation with us, and he's the director general of, of the Tourism Council. He can answer all questions about Bhutan. And I think we should probably start with that, too, is where is Bhutan? What is Bhutan? It's in South, it's, it's in South Asia. And a lot of people that I know don't even know what Bhutan is, or they have this idea that it's this magical kingdom, this mystical place. Which <laughs> That's what is. I think. That's what I think. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, and it is. And Dorji can talk about that in detail. But the race itself, so they're putting, they're putting on this 300-kilometer race through the big mountains in Bhutan. So uh, they asked me to help them put it together. So together we're designing this event. We've come up with 300 kilometers in five stages. So we're going to have five separate races all within one race. So it's a five-day, 300K, point-to-point foot race through the Bhutanese Himalayan range. Um, we've broken the course down into approximately 60-kilometer sections, approximately. So that's um, 300 kilometers is about 187 miles. And so uh, 60 kilometers is somewhere around 38 miles, I think. So that will be the sections. We have 20 five or 20 international athletes that we've been recruiting for the last several months. And so those are the people that are going to participate. You can see information about the snowman race at snowmanrace.org. Um, we also have a very active Instagram page, which is just snowman race. In fact, if you go to the Instagram page, you can see uh, a list of the athletes that will be there, a photo and a small bio. In addition to that, we're also introducing the international production team. These are the folks that I'm bringing with me that are going to help put the race on. Very cool. I want to get into some more specifics about the race here in a second, but I want to turn it over to Dorji. Dorji, can you just tell us about Bhutan and what your role is there? Okay. Uh, I think, uh, thank you very much. Earlier, Luis was also touching on this. Now, first and foremost, just like to introduce my country, Bhutan, uh, to the listener here. Uh, Bhutan uh, is a very small, isolated country in the Himalayas. So by by telling this, it would appear as if nothing much is happening in Bhutan. But the what I like to share is there are some things which are actually happening in Bhutan, which would be which the world wouldn't know as of now, but would be of great interest to them because these things actually touches upon the some of these uh, emerging global uh, hot topics. For instance, Bhutan is the uh, one of the youngest democracy. We became a uh, democratic constitutional monarchy only in 2008. So we are the youngest dem democracy, and also we are supposed to be having the youngest uh, monarch uh, as of today, especially when he was crowned king in 2008. He was just 28, so he was definitely the youngest, the, mm -hmm. the, the king of Bhutan. Then the other thing is, Bhutan, we have a constitution, uh, which is again as uh, recent as in 2008, and it, is, it could be the only constitution in the world that has a provision which actually uh, recommends, obliges the reigning king to step down at the age of 65. Uh, which is very, uh, we feel it is unprecedented. And in fact, as of today, we have two kings, the 
the the father the the senior king who actually stepped down at the age of 55 actually the constitution uh, can uh, make him stay till 65 but he stepped down at uh, uh, 55 and then again our constitution uh, mandates uh, uh, that uh, uh, the the whole country at all times will be covered under forest minimum of 60% and as of today about 70% of our country is under forest now this is for environment you know and then because of that today bhutan is the only carbon negative country in the world as of today wow. and also and also as of today bhutan has the highest unclimbed mountain in the world and in fact that race uh will be also passing through the i mean not not specifically on this uh, range but it will be uh, passing through this uh, highest unclimbed mountain also that snowman race and also there one other thing is the bhutan is also the birthplace of gross national happiness now what it means is bhutan's development philosophy is guided by gross national happiness that means we choose the uh the the non material objective more than the economic objective so therefore we are guided by this gross national happiness and also because of our uh, reputation and our, our experience on this bhutan delegation has proposed in uh, the 66th general assembly uh, of un in 2012 to mark a day as the international day of happiness so as proposed by bhutan since 2013 20th march is being celebrated as the international day of happiness uh, so so these are some of the things that uh, bhutan has been uh, leading which uh, i think the world will, will not know because bhutan is a small uh, in a very uh, uh, remotely uh, located uh, place yes that is incredible so how did this movement of putting the environment and well-being i mean that's kind of in the face of most countries and most political systems how did that manifest itself in bhutan like how did it rise to the top and become enlaced in the constitution yeah now this this is very good question because now in bhutan as i said we became democratic constitutional monarchy only in 2008 but with our king is the head of the state and the elected uh, leader uh, the leader of the elected party the governing party is the prime minister who is the head of the government now our king still has a big role to play here and it was actually in the early 70s uh, that time bhutan just opened up to the uh, world rest of the world before that we were by choice we were uh, isolated so when bhutan opened up in 1970s to, uh, to the world then our king happened to be traveling uh, most probably in india he was in overseas and uh, one of the reporters actually uh, asked our king what is the gdp of your country then i think our king have actually replied by saying we are not really after gdp we are not really uh, concerned uh, what our gdp is but we are actually after the happiness so we said gross national happiness is more important than gross domestic uh, product so therefore since then this became our development philosophy now this gross national happiness is a is a science in itself it is an art but also a science in itself so it has actually four pillars so when this with this four pillar one pillar is the environment definitely so therefore environment features very strongly in our development all development uh, aspects so therefore whatever we do it has to be environmentally 
conscious so basically it uh, uh, it it actually originated from our king the fourth king with this development philosophy and it is all revolving around this gross national happiness which is basically i think you have also used this word well-being so we are basically talking about well-being of of human uh, human beings which will be very much dependent on the natural uh, being uh, environment if our environment is not uh, well taken care then our human well-being will be definitely uh, impacted so therefore it is uh, very much interconnected and we try to do this uh, uh, in 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 this way that's incredible i want to move to baton what uh <laughs> what uh was this race your idea dorji where did the idea to bring these international competitors to bhutan and and run this course come from oh thank you very much now this this race the vision originates from our king the present king and our present king uh, is popularly known as people's king now why the main reason is he travels the whole length and breadth of a country i mean bhutan is still not very well connected in terms of even inside so some of our uh, villages settlements are still not connected by road so we have to be literally walk so our majesty our king has been uh, traveling all over the country and in in one of his many travels to this northern uh, uh, part of our country which are basically the highlands the snow capped mountains there he has been during one of these uh, many tours uh, treks he has actually seen the climate change being impacted there the glaciers are receding uh, he saw i mean over a period of uh, his trips uh, i mean trips he has been seeing uh, the the changes being impacted because of the global climate change while bhutan has been doing very well in our country with regard to the climate change with regard to the environment conservation but because of the uh, things not happening elsewhere it is impacting us so therefore it is his majesty's uh, 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 initiative that we should do such a run basically to sensitize the global community on the need or the importance to combat or stop this uh, climate change because even a country like bhutan such a remote and also the places that we are mentioning these are could be one of the most remotest places in the world even such places are getting impacted by global change a climate change so therefore it becomes important that uh, that we also work uh, everybody work towards uh, mitigating the 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 adverse impacts of the climate change. so therefore the race has been envisioned by our majesty our king to draw the global attention of the global community towards this climate change and lewis how did you get involved with this did you just get a call one day saying you know <laughs> hey come on out to bhutan we want to do a jog out here not exactly, but uh, imagine the amount of uh, uh, pressure there is uh, to to do this uh, from my perspective. So this event is very, very important globally. It's important, obviously, to the people there in Bhutan and the government that is, um, you know, responsible to organize this. And then they reached out to me and asked for my direction. So it's it's I'm very, very proud and honored to be part of it. And um, I'm doing my best to, to pull it off and, you know, bring the right people, the right athletes and the right production team there to actually make this happen. So how I got involved was in 2017, I was invited to go to Bhutan to participate in the 
Bhutan International Marathon, which is a 26-mile race that they had there. I was there as a photographer, which is my other uh, my other component of my life is photography. I do a lot of commercial and event photography. And so I was there in 2017 to cover this race. And it was great. We had a beautiful time. Bhutan is everything that you can imagine and more. Um, we participated in the race, did my photography work. The whole project was was great. And uh, that was it. I thought that was it. Uh, I had a wonderful time in Bhutan. I never thought that I'd have the opportunity to go back. Uh, a couple years later, uh, yeah, I got a phone call from um, from some of the some of the folks that are uh, helping to organize the race and asked if I would lend some direction. Uh, I've been putting races on for a while now, so they look for look to me to say, "Hey, can you help us? Give us some ideas on how we can make this race happen, how we can set this up." And I'm sure. So I started talking. The next thing I know. Um, I was invited to go to Bhutan. Can you come here and uh, take a look at the race course, meet the committee, give us some direction in, in, in person? Like, yeah, heck yeah. So uh, they sent me over there. So I went to Bhutan uh, along with a couple of other um, race director friends. And we were there for a couple of weeks. We went to a series of meetings. And uh, I guess I didn't realize that it was an interview. I thought I was just there um, <laughs> giving some some direction and some ideas and sharing some ideas. And then uh, we went out onto the race course. We got to see the first about 30 kilometers of the race course. We hiked up into the mountains, spent uh, spent a couple nights there, and then hiked back out. So I got to, to, to look at it, at least the first piece. First time in my life that I've been over 16,000 feet, and uh, it was spectacular. And then I uh, went back into town, uh, met with the committee again, gave them some more ideas. Then they said, well, how about if you just help us do this thing? What if we hire you to be the race director? I'm like, okay, holy smokes, let's do this thing. So um, that's it. That's how I got into it. I, I had the opportunity to visit Bhutan in 2017 and then went back to meet with them. And here we are. You know, I put on an event. I, I put on a, a couple events, and and it's. I feel it's greatly underestimated, in my opinion, how hard it is to put on an event. I mean, you have the lead up, you got your permitting, your logistics, getting people there, curveballs of weather, changing course direct directions. Even when the event happens, you're dealing with hundreds, sometimes thousands of athletes, motivating the volunteers. What are some of the big challenges that you're facing with, I mean, it's never easy, but being remote and this is a totally new course, what are the challenges you're facing? Well, you hit all of the key points right there. But directing a race, there's a lot of moving parts and there's a lot of people. Even if there's only a few athletes on the race course, there's still a big support um, team that has to help get these people from point to point right so there's a lot of things going on anybody that's ever directed a race can tell you that from the athlete's point is uh, point of view sometimes they think oh it's no big deal you just come and draw a line on the ground start here draw another line over there finish there put some water out people run and that's it well it's way more complex than that obviously this particular event so i'm in california dorji is in bhutan he's literally on the other side of the world i think that they're 12 hours 
ahead of us, in, uh, 11 hours ahead of us in time. So one of the, the um, it's not even a problem, but just one, one of the, one of the uh, challenges that we have is communication because we're, we're, I wake up in the morning, Dorji's going to bed, you know, he wakes up, I'm going to bed. But we, we have been able to uh, communicate pretty solidly. Uh, for me, of course, the big thing is that physically I'm on the other side of the planet. So it's going to mean a couple of trips for me to go there and um, and experience the race course. Uh, the other challenge with this particular event is that we have a group of international athletes. So uh, they charged me with the idea of recruiting 20 athletes uh, from all around the world. So that was fun, actually. We put uh, we made a, an application available and people were sending applications. So I'm reading applications for all of these incredible world-class athletes. But that in itself is a, is, is a challenge because now we have a race that's on the other side of the world, and now we have athletes that are spread out all over the world. <laughs> so there's that. This isn't like organizing a local 10K or 5K, right? This is literally a global event. So that's new for me. Um, but I'm surrounded by great people, and so we're – we're, we're making it happen. In fact, it's going very, 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 very well right now, except for the obvious. You know, we haven't talked about COVID-19 yet, but that's impacting everything. So I'm sure we're going to talk about that in this in this conversation later. But other than that, everything is is beautiful. By the way, the race day is October 13th, uh, 2020. That is the date that we're shooting for. Hopefully we're going to pull it off. And Dorji can probably talk about that date. Why? October 13th. It's in the middle of the week. It's an interesting day. Why are we doing the race on October 13th? Uh, Dorji, two things. I would love to hear yep. about the date and also give us a description of this point-to-point -point, uh, point -point race course. Okay. Uh, uh, the, the first thing is actually uh, I also wanted to touch on now initially this race was to conclude with the climate change uh, summit which was actually we are preparing but very recently the board had a meeting and because of this COVID-19 so the climate summit has been now uh, deferred to maybe early 2021 because this is this race is very much about this climate change as I've highlighted earlier while the race is still on so that is something that I wanted to also share because with that summit we were actually hoping to bring together not only the international athletes, but even also the business leaders and other leaders to make a pledges and commitments towards reducing the carbon uh, emissions uh, by you know certain uh, percentage. So this was actually, we were really excited to hold that summit also. Immediately after the uh, conclusion of the run, we are going to have a summit uh, in, in Bhutan. But unfortunately, because of COVID now, this is a bit different. Now coming to the uh, date, the first is the 13th October, is the day, uh, is the royal wedding anniversary, actually. So uh, we are dedicating this run for the climate change, but at the same time, in Bhutan, whenever we do such a big event, very important event, we always try to coincide with some auspicious day. And we have chosen, since this initiative comes from His Majesty, uh, we were chosen this date, uh, coinciding with the wedding, royal wedding anniversary. So 13 October is the royal wedding anniversary. And then uh, your, the next question is from point to point. So this is going to be three, 300 kilometer, five days uh, uh, run. And uh, each day there will be a, a 
start time and end time. And then after that, uh, I mean, not necessarily the end time. End time will be when all the runners reach that stage. That will be the ending. But start start date, start timing will be same for all the runners. So we will be having five uh, uh, night halls. Uh, and each of these uh, uh, days, I think on average, it will be around uh, 50 to 60 uh, uh, kilometers. Some are long, some are, some are short. And all these uh, 300 kilometers uh, will be actually in places where there are no access by motor road. So it is actually, even by default, you have to walk. Uh, while, we, we, while we have settlements along this road, 300 kilometers, but even now, the normal uh, means of transport or traveling is by walking on foot or on a horseback. So there is no way that in, in the, after 60 kilometers, the motor vehicle can just join us. So that is not a case. It is rail for rail, a remote and inaccessible, and it is only accessible by walking or by chopper. In case of emergency, then chopper can fly in. Again, also, that also depends on the weather and all. So therefore, it is really uh, can be considered as one of the most dangerous or rugged uh, terrain and also most difficult uh, race. And, uh, and also, this 300 kilometer on average, uh, the elevation will be not less than uh, 3,500 meters, which would be more than 15,000, 16,000 feet, I think. I mean, more than 18,000 feet. So all 300 kilometers on average, it will be above 18,000 uh, kilometers. And some of the highest uh, peaks in this 300 kilometer would be as high, high as around uh, 5,000 uh, 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 say around 14,000, more than 14,000, 15,000 uh, feet. So such maybe about four or five of such uh, high peaks will be there, more than 5,000 meters uh, in this uh, 300 kilometer. And then finally, uh, uh, while, while I've just talked about the, uh, the, the difficult part, but the other bonus is for the runner, it will be, again, they will be running through the one of the most uh, pristine, uh, undisturbed uh, nature, uh, with the snow-capped mountains uh, in the background and the highland uh, uh, areas, so they will be also uh, will be balanced uh, with with such beautiful pristine nature and air and water. So maybe I think uh, I'll stop here. Dorji, I just want to say your English is really good. I'm always envious of people who are who can speak multiple languages. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so. No pressure, Lewis. You're just throwing a party here for the royal wedding celebration. I mean, <laughs> yeah, and, and some of the best athletes in the world on, on one of the most difficult and beautiful mountains uh, in on the planet, in one of the most uh, remote and dangerous places that you can imagine. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, no, it's a lot of pressure, right? No pressure, my man. So, let me ask you this. How are you going to get the tents and the aid stations and the supplies? Are you going to have a caravan on like horseback, or how are you going to make all this happen? So there's, there's, it's 300 kilometers. There's four. They call them night halts. Uh, we would call that an aid station or a sleep station. And each one of these aid stations on the race course is going to be staffed with about 10 people. So there'll be somebody there that is responsible for medical emergencies communications, uh, food service, uh, general, uh, you know, camp manager. And then there will also be an international race director at each one of these locations. And when I say international race director, 
or a production team member. These are race directors, uh, some, some of my peers, people that put on races here in the U.S. We're taking seven people with us. So that way, our thinking is that we're going to mark the course and manage the course up to international standards. So what, other, so what we're used to seeing at a race, maybe here in California or Colorado, ideally, this race course is going to look and feel like that in terms of the production quality. So how are we going to get things in? Well, as Georgie was saying, this race course is so remote. There's no roads. There's no Jeeps. There's no motorcycles. There's no vehicles. Uh, horse, horseback. So um, none of this is set in stone at this point, but that is how things are going to happen. Um, they're, they're used to transporting things into the mountains, the, the Bhutanese, and so they have experienced horsemen, and they will carry things in. So it'll go on foot and on horseback. We're going to mark the course on foot. We're going to monitor the, the course on foot and on horseback. What Dorji was saying also is that we do have access to helicopters. So that would be an emergency situation. And hopefully we can get a helicopter into any one of these aid stations uh, to extract people or bring people in and out and then to, to get media in as well. So, uh, yeah, that's it. On foot. <laughs> how long, how, what kind of time? John. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, Dorji. John, uh, I thought I would just add on to this. Is it okay? Yeah, yeah, jump in anytime. <laughs> yeah, so earlier, earlier you asked Luis, I mean, how, he, how did he get into this race? Now, from, from my side, I just wanted to add here, because from the very beginning, with the, when this idea was born, it was a royal command that, this race has to be at world standard. So therefore, since then, we have been looking for somebody who can help us in meeting that standard. Because we know, well, we have some experience, but definitely not at that uh, level. We have organized some small, small runs here and there, but not at the global uh, world standard. So therefore, we were really looking for somebody who can help us this. And then through our research, connections, networking and all, finally, it was narrowed down to Louis Escobar and who was actually now, uh, who is now uh, our international race, race director. And our hope is that, expectation is that he will ensure that this run will be conducted at the world, world class. And we are very confident that he will be able to uh, deliver this. So this is just I wanted to add. Now, very good. Lewis, how, back up, I want to back up to when you were, um, documenting Scott on his AT speed record descent. When you're out there shooting, doing something like that, in a way, the logistics are a little more similar. A, a, you know, similar in that, you know, you're judging the amount of time things are taking, where you need to be, how you, you know, where you need to be to get the shot, looking down the road, looking days out. What... When you were doing that, how much of the time are you running with Scott? How much of the time are you piggybacking on vehicles to different access points? How did you how did you document that? Sure. So first of all, your listeners can go to uh, Scott's book. It's uh, the title of the book is North, and it was written by Scott and Jenny. It's available, you know, in print and then online as well. Uh, so North, the book chronicles the entire journey and then some so you can get you know very specific 
detailed answers to the question you just asked me. But as a runner and a photographer, how do you do this? So, um, and how, how much time did I spend with Scott? So I was there, the, 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 the run was 46 days, 47 days. And of that, I was with him probably about 70% of the time. I um, traveled there with them. I was with Scott and Jenny for the first 10 days. It was just the three of us. Scott's wife, Jenny, was driving the support van. In this case, they had, obviously, Scott Jerick is meticulous. He had everything written out and planned. There were detailed maps, schedules. So for me, logistically, all I had to do was ride in the van with Jenny. They had it worked out where he was going to be at what date and what time. But I have to get on to the trail and get with him. The very first day, he was moving. He ran 60 miles that day. I ran a big chunk of it with him as well. So what we do is I maybe go to a trailhead. Uh, Jenny would drive us to a trailhead. I would get out with my camera, and I'd run upstream. I'd run backwards with the camera, find Scott, and then photograph him, run with him, run ahead of him, run behind him, and just try to keep up with him as he moved to back to the original trailhead. And then from there... Um, Jenny might jump out and pace him for a section. Maybe it was a six-mile section was coming up. I would get in the van, and I would drive to the next trailhead. And then same thing. I would get with my camera, run back upstream, find them, photograph them, run with them back to the support van. And then maybe Jenny would get in, and I would continue running, something like that. So that's how we did it, just leapfrogging with the van. So there's, there was three of us. Um, it's fun with running with Scott is because he's – also a friend and so there were certain times when i would put the camera down and i would just um, participate as a pacer especially the night sections so um you know whatever it'd be a four or five hour nighttime run jenny would be at the next uh, uh trailhead and i'd just be out there running with scott as a buddy as a pacer uh, i did that for 10 days and then i had to come home we flew back across the country to california i had to do some photo jobs and then um and actually, I actually photographed a 50K race in Arkansas in the middle of all of this, too. So I went to Arkansas, shot this race, and then back out to the AT, found Scott and Jenny, stayed with them another 10 days or so. Then I flew home, and I ran the Western States 100. Uh, so I left Scott and Jenny probably like on a Wednesday, flew home, went up to Squaw Valley, ran Western States. I didn't photograph it. I ran Western States. And then by that, you know, we finish on Sunday morning. By Monday, I'm already traveling back to the AT and then found them. I think we were in the presidentials or in the whites and then, you know, finished the run with them. So it was, a, it was an amazing time, back and forth across the country three times, getting to run with Scott, you know, the legend, uh, one of my heroes and my buddy, and to get to watch him do this incredible um, record-setting run. It was awesome. Yeah, Tiring, but awesome. So anyway, check out the book North. There's photos in there. There's the whole story is in there. Epic. So when you put together your media team and your team in general to help you organize and put on the snowman race, how important mm -hmm. is it for them to actually be an athlete themselves? What are you looking for in building your team for this kind of thing? Well, anytime you're telling a story, it's good to have some inside knowledge, right? So um, in this case, our media director is uh, is Ian O'Sullivan, and right now Ian's up in uh, Oregon. And so Ian is handling all aspects of media, 
for the snowman race. That's another component of the event that I'm aware of, but I'm not in the middle of it. So Ian and his staff are working on that. Ian is awesome because he has intimate knowledge about Bhutan. He's completed the tour of the dragon, which is a bicycle ride through Bhutan. Uh, I think he's done that a couple of times. So he's aware of the, the, the terrain. He's uh, aware. He, he knows the people. He knows his way around. So And, and uh, marketing and branding is what he does. So he's the perfect person for that for that responsibility. So you can find Ian on the website as well, snowmanrace.org. And if you have any media questions uh, or you want access to video, photographs, or any type, type of content, Ian's your guy. So Ian O'Sullivan, check it out at snowmanrace.org. The production team, that is the most, to me, the most important component of this event. Safety is the number one concern. We're putting 25 people into it. Every day, we're going to be putting 25 people directly into harm's way on purpose. So how are we going to manage that? So we need to have experienced race directors, people that, um, that understand mountains, understand trail racing, that can think on their feet, that can make decisions quickly. And the people that do that are, are race directors. And so I have put together a group of seven of the most competent mountain people that I know. Uh, two of them are race directors for Spartan, and they put on big, big events with thousands and thousands of people. It's a lot of moving parts, and so these are the type of guys that can think quickly. Uh, Lincoln Baker and uh, Josue Stevens, both of these guys are coming. They know what they're doing. Then there's another uh, two or three uh, of the guys that work with me in my race company. I have a little race company. It's called All We Do Is Run. We put on trail races in California, and so uh, two or three of the top guys from my organization are going to be there as well. So surrounding myself with, with competent people is the key to this. And I've done that. I feel very, very confident that we will be able to handle this. And these are also the kind of guys that are, that are sturdy in the mountains. They're going to have to hike in. You know, they're going to, they're going to spend 10 days in the mountains uh, managing. So it's going to be a stressful situation, but they can do it. Yeah. They're not going to be actually running the race, but they're going to be just as vested as every person who toes up to the start, start line. That's yeah, for man. Sure. Yeah. They're, they're going to be responsible to, to mark the course, to sweep the course, to clean the course, to scrub the course, to be on the course. So, yeah. It's going to be a brutal, awesome experience for everyone involved. Throughout your race directing, I know that you've done completed dozens of hundred milers. I don't want to really get into your running career, but as far as organizing an event, what has been the most satisfying moment that sticks out to you? As, as uh, always, it's, 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 it's always the same. Uh, I've, I coached high school uh, cross-country runners for 15 years. I've been organizing running events for you know more than 25 years. It's the same thing, man. It's creating opportunities for people, setting the stage putting people out there, giving them a chance to meet and exceed their goals, especially high school students, watching them. You know, I organize a lot of high school cross-country um, invitationals, big meets, right? But to see people do things that they didn't know that they could do, you know, help people meet their goals, that's what's 
That's what I love about all of this. So we put on a little race, whatever. We put on some 50K somewhere on a ranch or in the national forest. And, you, you know, you get 200 runners come and participate. Watching people do something that they just couldn't even imagine they could do. That's the satisfaction. And that's what draws me back. This race, the snowman race, the athletes are all experienced. These are top world-class athletes. So I enjoy that as well. I enjoy spending time with high school students, 15-year-old sophomores or freshman runners. And then, you know, then I can turn around and I can be managing a race with people like Magdalena Bollet or or Jared Campbell, you know, some of these super high-end runners. So that's it, you know, helping people meet their goals. That's what I like. What about specifically? Is there one kid who just couldn't get it together? He had a breakthrough race at some meet. Somebody who finished an event they never thought they could. Is there one in particular that rises above? No, there's no one particular kid or athlete that I can name. I mean, I can name a lot of lot of them, but not not anyone in, in, in particular. But just I mean, imagine that you're your high school coach and the summertime, the, you're meeting the kids for the first time for this season. And, you, you know, here's a bunch of eighth graders, basically, and they show up and they're scared. They're intimidated. They're not sure what's going to happen next. And they meet me and I'm kind of like this crazy coach and <laughs> watching them mature from a junior high school student into a varsity athlete. And then they're competing at a level that they never imagined. That is an awesome feeling to be able to contribute and be part of that experience. And then, like I said, on the other hand, also to spend time with people like Jurek, you know, world-class, undefeated, record-setting, one of the highest-level athletes on the planet. And he's, you know, he's where he is, but he's very similar to those high school students. They all experience the same thing. So the little kids, are, you know, high school students are running three-mile races. Jurek's running you know, over 2,000 miles. They're experiencing a lot of the same emotions, though. All the same. I love that. That's a good quote. What uh, what a flipping the coin. What about your lowest moment? When is it just all falling apart for you? As an athlete or as an organizer? As an organizer. <laughs> ah, shoot. Go on to both. You can you can you can give them both here. We got the time. As as an athlete, I mean, as an organizer, um, when's it all falling apart? You know, hopefully it doesn't all fall apart. Um. When you're when you're preparing for an event, you're you're thinking about everything step by step from the very beginning, from the very beginning, from filling out an application to the registration process, all the way through to the finish line to getting in their car and driving away. Right. So there's a lot of potential for weirdness in a trail race. Um, going bad, I suppose. We never have problems with people getting lost. We, I'm a meticulous trail marker. The people that work for me or with me are very, very good at preparing a race course. But that is where things can go bad. If markings are maybe sabotaged or removed or obscured by snow or weather or whatever, and then people go off course, that would be a disaster, especially this race, the snowman race. You know, this isn't just a bunch of people running around in a park or in a golf course and somebody gets lost and they hit a fence and they turn around and come back. You know, that's an inconvenience here. We're in the heart of the Himalaya in Bhutan, one of the most remote, dangerous places in the world, right? So if people go off course and get lost, that's going to be a problem. That's going to be a very, very big problem. We're going to have GPS tracking on everybody, so we should be able to see them live, you know, where they are. 
but still the potential of somebody going off course and getting lost uh <laughs> that's going to be a big big problem yeah that's where so that's that's where it would that's where it all would all in my mind go off rails is is if people are running off course and then of course you know there's natural things that could happen that could destroy a race fire you know hopefully we're not putting people in a situation where there's a fire but is there there's something that alters the race midstream well like as it's happening that's a problem i directed a race in squaw valley uh just a 10k race for spartan um last year in september and we had about 600 people and uh, the, the race course went straight up so it started at the tram at the bottom and then went up to the top of the mountain so about three quarters of the way up, you know, 15, 20 minutes into the race, here comes this hellacious lightning and thunderstorm and then hail is just flying out of the sky. First, there's no hail and snow. Now there's hail and snow. People are just running all over like crazy. So that we were able to manage, turn people around, escort them off, and there was no problems. But those are the type of things that can happen, whether uh, unforeseen things, weather, fire, people getting lost those are the big problems i see mm. who do you have coming uh dude we have a great great lineup of people i can't name them all but i i'll, I'll name a few of them so i already mentioned magdalena belay so she's from poland right and she's uh well you can go to instagram snowman race on the instagram page and there you can see details about each of these people but i'll like to mention magdalena chris brown is from santa barbara California. He is like, you know, a top 10 Western States finisher. He's the winner of San Diego 100. Jared Campbell is the only person to finish Barkley marathons uh, three times. That's a bold statement because there's very few people have even finished Barkley and Jared's completed it three times. Um, Megan Hicks, who is the international athlete. She's also the managing editor of I Run Far, which is a um, media outlet, um, a podcast and a website. Um, they are probably one of the most respected um, media outlets for long distance running and racing. Yeah, Megan Hicks, we're excited to have her. We have uh, two Japanese athletes uh, that are coming. Uh, we have uh, Matthias Kastner, he's from Switzerland. Um, who else? Ian Morgan is an incredible athlete. He's from New Zealand. He lives in Santiago, Chile now. Uh, he'll be there. Uh, this girl, Chikarita, she's uh, from Mexico City. She's she's a Red Bull athlete, super high end, very, very aggressive. Uh, Google her, Chikarita, and uh, you can also find her on the Instagram page, of course. Ian Sharman is coming. Ian is from Great Britain, of course, living now in Bend, Oregon, top 10 or 10-time uh, sub-24-hour Western States, you know, top 10 finisher. Sabrina Stanley, I think you know Sabrina. Mm -hmm. Well, you, you know Avery Collins, mm -hmm. right? Uh, Michael Wardian's going to be there. So folks like that, you know, some of the best international athletes that that I could find. And we have a whole bunch more that want to do it, but we're limited to the number of people that we're going to put on the course. Um, but you could, if you're listening to this and you think you might want to run, go to the website, snowmanrace.org. There is a application fill it out we're not taking any more applications for this year but fill it out um i'm assuming that we're going to do this again next year or the year after and so we can at least start gathering applications now so don't hesitate to fill out an application send it to me my contact is there and i'll keep it on, on file and then we can reconnect again when we open registration next time dorji how are you how are you ad adjusting and making decisions with 
uh, COVID-19. Okay, so on this, uh, we are in constant communication with Luis. Uh, in fact, we are being guided by Luis. Now, what we're doing is, earlier uh, I informed that the summit has been deferred for this year, definitely. But for the run, we are saying as of now, we will go uh, prepare, keep it on till uh, July. So after July, we will be again revisiting our decision. And in case if we maybe in July, we will decide to continue, or maybe it's possible that we will say maybe this year it will be too difficult. So then maybe the race will be called off for this year and then defer it to next year. So this is uh, what uh, stands as of now. But so definitely it would depend on the global situation uh, of this COVID-19. Man, I hope that you sincerely, you guys can put it together. I know there's been an incredible yep. amount of work already went into this. And, uh, yep. man, I I would love to do this event. That just sounds incredible. You know, like like everything that's happening right now, everything is COVID-dependent, right, worldwide. And so is this event, obviously. But here's the deal. These, all of the participants, they're experienced distance runners, and what we do in distance running, something goes wrong, you adapt, and you move forward. Same thing with this. If we have to reschedule, then we're just going to adapt. We're going to figure it out. We're going to make it good. And then we're going to come back next year bigger and better and, and knock it out. So hopefully we're going to get this thing done this time. But if not, we'll adapt, we'll adjust, and we'll be positive, and we'll move forward, and we'll make it happen in the future. Love that. Dorji. Where can people yes. learn more about if they just want to visit Bhutan or they just want to come and be a tourist? Where can they learn about how to do that and and coming to visit your country? Yeah, so uh, now, I mean, because of this uh, digital age, uh, first and foremost, I think like anyone uh, most must be following that channel, go to the Internet and Google and then look for Bhutan and then there, I mean, we have an uh, official Tourism Council of Bhutan's website is also there and then there will be so many other Bhutanese tour operators website also. So I think first and foremost will be if you don't have any connections or known people uh, prior to your search, then internet will be the first, first and foremost. Then second is, of course, uh, in your own location, through your own travel agent, uh, you can get connected. So these are some of the things. And of course, even in the media now from tourism, uh, from Bhutan also, we are also trying to now make some uh, uh, telemed uh, intervention, uh, especially to do this digital marketing. So maybe because of the, from that also, maybe things will uh, spread out. So mainly I think these are the main channels, but as of today, uh, I don't, I'm sure it, it can be a new, new to you, uh, to John. Because in for Bhutan, tourism practice is quite different, actually. And in fact, today, amid this COVID-19, we feel that uh, it is kind of reinforced, reconfirmed that what we have been doing so far is so right. Because now, because since last 50 uh, years, since when we started our tourism, we started, again, guided by this uh, development philosophy of gross national happiness, our tourism policy is known as high value, low volume, high value, low volume. So this basically means we have been always conscious of how many tourists 
can come to Bhutan. So it is not an open door. Well, while we welcome everyone, but then it will be always based on our carrying capacity. So we have never entertained over tourism or mass tourism. It is always guided. So therefore, that has been our policy so far. And now today, because of this COVID, now rest of the world are also trying to uh, now rethink their own tourism policy and practice, and they are trying to uh, follow what we have been following so far. So, so this is something that has been very unique to Bhutan and uh, something that now we will further uh, strengthen this. So that means uh, as of today, a tourist cannot just uh, walk into our country. They need to do some kind of pre-planning, either through internet, either through travel agent. They have to do some advanced booking, advanced planning and, and communicate with the local ground handler in Bhutan. And it is only through that. Whereas in some of most of the countries, uh, you, you as a tourist, as a foreigner, I mean, as long as you get the visa, you can just uh, fly in or walk into that country. But in Bhutan, it is not like that. And we are so uh, kind of uh, make sure that you know, the tourists, the number of tourists that is coming to our country is kind of uh, regulated, which is within our carrying capacity. And basically, this is again towards fulfilling the goals and objectives of our gross national happiness. Uh, basically, considering the carrying capacity of our environment, our infrastructure, our services. And again, the high value, low volume tourism policy also kind of uh, gives high priority to the experience that we give to the tourists. So the, the ones the tourists have come to our Bhutan, we want to make sure that they get the best of the experiences. So that is also the part of this high-value, low-volume low tourism. Now, COVID, post-COVID, we feel uh, we'll still continue with this policy, but then we feel now maybe there will be some uh, very uh, targeted uh, group of people who would like to choose Bhutan. Now, Bhutan can be that destination because now uh, we are also talking about a tagline in Bhutan called happiness is a space. Happiness is a space. Uh, as of now, our tagline in tourism is happiness is a place because we know Bhutan is very much driven by this gross national happiness. So therefore, our tagline was happiness is a place. Bhutan is the place. Now with this COVID, we are talking about social distancing. Now people don't want to be in crowd. So therefore, now we are also uh, taking on board a new tagline called happiness is a space. So, so post COVID-19, I think Bhutan can be that safe place for visitors to try, uh, I mean, see what kind of safety, I mean, the exclusive experience that Bhutan can offer. I can't imagine a safer place than outside in the environment in, in these kind of times. You know, just, just outside, that's the place to be right now. The trick is getting there. True, true. Lewis, we're getting close here to the end of our interview. What, what, uh, what advice can you give to a runner, or, or a runner, or biker, or someone who wants to organize an event? It's their first time organizing an event, but they've got this awesome run in their backyard. They do. They want to share it with their friends. Put it on an event. What advice could you would, would you give to them if they wanted to put on an event for the first time? Well, well, just that. Share it with your friends. Start there. So. Uh, 
you have a beautiful route that you love and you want to share that experience with the people around you, uh, you know, go to Facebook and create a Facebook event and invite your local community to come. Mark the course if you can. You know, it's not always legal to do that, so you need to know what are the, the, the rules and of that particular trail, who owns that property, who's liable for that property. Um, but I would suggest the first step is just create a, a group run for you and your buddies. You know, get some basic aid and have a start time and place and lead a group run, not necessarily a race, not a competitive race, just a group fun run. Start with that. And then if you think that you want to move to the next level and, and uh, invite people from outside of your community, then you open registration. But then that also opens a whole other can of worms, you know, liability. You're going to need insurance. You're going to need... You're going to need to adhere to the new COVID-19 practices and procedures that are being written right now. So there's a lot to it. and There's a lot of responsibility and there's a lot of liability as well. So it's not just as simple as marking a course and charging people and giving them T-shirts and sending them down the trail. There's a lot to it. There's a lot to it, you know, and to do it correctly. Um, there's a lot to it. So that would be my advice. Just organize a group run little barbecue afterwards. That's how the best races start, really. Uh, I have a race called the Born to Run Ultra Marathon. It happens in Los Olivos, California, on a private ranch. And that's exactly how that race started. Just a group of us had access to this ranch, marked off a course, spent a couple nights camping and running. Then that just evolved into a running festival is what that is. And so, yeah, it started off as just me and my buddies. There you go. Just start off with a fun run and take it from there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, guys, I certainly appreciate you taking the time. I know it's probably the middle of the night there, Dorji. It's super early in the morning where you're at, Lewis. Um, go to snowmanrace.org. Check out Scott's book, North, I believe is the title. Is that right, Lewis? North. Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. And, and good luck with everything, guys. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Can I can I say something? Of course. Just, just last word. Yes. So I just wanted to tell that uh, we are still welcoming any interested. I mean, those listeners, if you want to be part of this race, not now as a runner this year, I think the the quota has been filled. But for next year, definitely, as Luis has said, but not only as a runner, but even as a other partners, like maybe even as a sponsor, we are still looking for more sponsor to be part of this run. We have not yet been able to meet up our fund requirement so this is something i just wanted to offer if there's any interested people who want to be part of this run by uh, being a sponsor in kind or in cash i mean that will be most most welcome and also i like to take the opportunity in welcoming all the listener to to bhutan and i think later on through email i will share some contact details with uh, john and maybe later on john when you publish this maybe you can give that uh, that those address also the website and all so this is something that i wanted to share thank you very much john and thank you Luis. yeah i'll make sure i get all that in the show notes and uh is there anything else you'd like to add Luis? yeah sure of course you just want to thank everybody that's given me this opportunity i'm looking forward to it and hopefully we can have a successful race in october and if not like i said we'll just adjust we'll adapt and we'll uh, move forward and make something good happen in the future Yes, we will. Thanks for the time, guys. Thank you. Thank you.